0: Welcome to Living Free Today, a ministry of Cornerstone Fellowship in San Lorenzo, California. These podcasts are the weekly sermons of Dr. Michael L. Wilson. On July 4th, 1776, A group of men got together and realized that King George, who had become the head of the Church of England, was more of a tyrant and less of a godly leader. And so they sent a letter to him declaring their independence, and part of that reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, It is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. And that started the ball rolling for the Revolutionary War. And on September 17th, 1787 the Constitution was finished and it reads in part, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Many years later, on November 19th, 1863, Abraham Lincoln was speaking at the battlefield of Gettysburg with what became known as the Gettysburg Address. It ends with these words, the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Now if you look at the Constitution, the purpose of the Constitution is to limit the government, is to put Borders around what the government can do. The Constitution was amended and the amendments of the Constitution are the rights of the citizenry under this limited government. The First Amendment, because they came here for religious freedom, says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to partition the government for a redress of grievances. And finally, John Adams, who was very involved in the founding of this country, wrote a letter after all these documents were written and after the Constitution was ratified, And he said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. All this to say, if you want to know how America was founded, who signed what, where they were when they signed it, it is all documented. After the Constitution was written, The various people wrote letters back and forth and those are collected in books called the Federalist Papers where the really old people uh, debated what they wrote in the Constitution and what it means. We know who wrote it, who signed it, when they signed it, where they were born, how they died. We know every last minutia about how this country was formed and how this country has gotten to its current point today. If there's something about America that we have that nobody else likes to have is, man, we love to write our history. And there are history books and there are volumes that are, you can't even count them. You wanna know everything about everything of the founding of this country. It is possible. And I say all that because our parable today is a parable that is found in Mark 4. And if you look at America or any other country and the kingdom that is talked about in Mark 4, there is a difference. And we shall look at that. Mark 4, please turn in your Bibles to Mark 4. Starting in verse 26, Mark is the shortest gospel, Mark 4, 26, and this is the only, no, that's Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Mark 4, there it is, he is talking about kingdoms and such, the kingdom of God. This is the only parable that exists only in Mark. It is the only one that is particular to Mark. And so because of that, some people have said, well, it belongs attached to the four soils or it belongs attached to the mustard seed, which we will get to later. But because it is in Mark, kind of by its lonesome, we will deal with it. And on the 4th of July, where we talk about the birth of America, it is something to note about what this parable says. This is a very short parable. There is no explanation given by Jesus to the disciples. It is something that is supposed to be plain on its face. You're supposed to be able to read it and go, I get it. I don't need an interpretation. I don't need anything like that. And so the parable is very simple. You have It says, the kingdom of God is as if a man scatters the seed, and that's how farming was done back then. You had a bag of seeds, you would get a handful, you would throw it out onto your field, then the work is done and the farmer goes to bed, and the farmer gets up in the morning and he goes to bed, and he gets up in the morning and there's nothing to do because the seed had been planted And back then, they didn't do the irrigation and the things of this nature that we are all into today. So there was literally nothing to do. And I have seen documentaries about the long stretches of boredom that farming families would have because once you plant and once you uh, irrigate, once you fertilize, that's it. You've got to sit back and watch to see if something happens. And that's what this passage says. It says, the farmer didn't even know what's going on under there. Now, today we know exactly what's going on under there. You know, we have looked at seeds and we put seeds in glass pots so we can see what's, you know, the root system and how it grows. And you, you've you seen on YouTube the... Uh, videos of a flower growing and it goes up all by itself. And so we understand that today, but back 2,000 years ago, there was a lack of understanding about how seed germination works and about how planting works, of what sort of nutrients is getting out of the soil and what soil is better for what plants, So these sorts of things were unknown back then. And so Jesus speaking, you don't know how it works, was a true statement back then. It was a true statement to those who were listening. It says, The earth provides by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear, but when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. The involvement of the human being in the growing process is only at the very beginning and the very end. Everything in the middle, it's hands off. Everything in the middle, he can go get another job, work at Starbucks or something, because there's nothing to do on the farm, because the farm is taking care of itself. And so what does it mean? Well, we can look at this, compare it to the other parables and if you remember in the four soils, there was a farmer who was casting seed. Well, that farmer was Jesus. Jesus was the one who was spreading out the word of God and the different hearts that would receive it. in this parable, the person casting out the seed is you and me. It is uh, us giving out the word of God. Now... How do we do that? How do we give out the gospel? Well, we share it with people uh, face-to-face. We share it with people at Bible studies. We share it with our neighbors, perhaps, in a conversation. Uh, Some time ago, the people of this church went and knocked on doors and put flyers on the doors of all the houses around here. And that is a way of scattering seed. And as people, as humans, as individuals. Once we do this, once we pass out the word, we are hands off. If I tell you something about Jesus, I cannot make you believe that thing about Jesus. I cannot make you change your life to be in line with Jesus. I cannot do anything except tell you and answer your questions as we go from there. And so when Jesus is talking about this is how the kingdom of God is, the idea that we have to be hands-off because who has hands-on? Well, God is managing his kingdom. God is growing his kingdom But he's not telling us how he's doing it. He's not telling us what he is doing. He is not telling us in extreme detail. We know from the Bible that if a person is saved, that he's saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. But I can't see that. I can't see unless it is a radical salvation, like somebody who is perhaps really involved in in drugs or a very lewd lifestyle, and then the next day they are radically changed, they are radically changed in how they live, then I can say, well, that's probably the Holy Spirit, that's probably the hand of God. But if I read the Four Soils parable, well, it could be rocks or it could be Uh, weeds, we just have to give it time. And so seeds are scattered today, if you were to look at today, through preaching, through radio ministries, through podcasts, through flyers that are sent out. We regularly get postcards of other churches on our doorstep or stuck into our screen door advertising what is going on and all of them have the church information on there, but then they also have information about Jesus Christ, their concern clearly being if I'm not going to go to their church, they want me at least to get saved and to understand who Christ is and the door hangers that we put out had that sort of information, it had the church information at the top but the whole bottom section was how to get saved who Jesus Christ is had three or four verses explaining salvation and what was done and as i said before these things that go on whether it be bible studies that we had before covid and we may have again or one on one meetings you're you're talking on the phone to somebody. The other day I had to call tech support for some technical issues. And as we we're waiting for something to download, I just do not let them just sit there. I talk to them. And this person had a very clear southern accent. So I commented on the nicety of their accent. And then I asked them if they went to church. And of course, that particular person, yes, that particular person was a Presbyterian, was a Presbyterian in Mississippi, and we had an opportunity to talk about how churches in Mississippi are functioning today, while churches in California are being, you know, we have to get the Supreme Court involved to do things in California and so she said that she would pray for me, and I said that I would pray for her. And that is it. I do, you know, I'm not going to try to hunt her down and disciple her. It was just scattering seeds that I was doing during a downtime of a technical support call. And so it's that sort of thing that we need to have every opportunity to toss a seed you know, and, and see what takes. And who knows what is going on with her? Well, God knows what is going on with her. God is, in a most basic fashion, micromanaging His kingdom. Now, His kingdom is growing as the people in the kingdom grow. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ... If you have the Holy Spirit, if you are repenting of your sins, you are in the kingdom of God. Jesus also said the kingdom of God is within you. And as you begin to grow and mature and learn through the word and learn through church the various things, you are maturing your neighborhood in the kingdom of God. And if you're involved in a church, then you can help others and share those who are also maturing, those who are also growing, and the kingdom of God is growing. Do I see it? No. Do I know really how God's doing it? No, because He's not telling me. And, but it is growing, and there are more Christians today than there were five years ago. Okay, the kingdom of God is growing. Now, a report came out earlier this year saying that for the first time in American history, less than fifty percent of people go to an organized religious meeting once a week, and they said that that would be church, mosque, synagogue, temple. Okay, anything that is an organized religion people aren't going anymore and whether that is because they can't find one which I doubt there's 320,000 churches in America there's 325 million people in America you can get you know they'll fit we'll build more there's churches everywhere. You got 50 states. Do the math. How many churches per state? A lot more in Texas than anywhere else. A lot of churches in Miss. There's unity. Well, good on the street. There are at least 5 churches that if you Better than me, if you like. Ever better, you can find it. People are not looking. People are you isn't there. And I heard an interview with a church planter this morning, and he was talking about was part of a regular evangelical church, and he said, "This isn't working. I'm going to go start my own." And he starts his own church. And he said things like, I needed to give people what they were looking for. I needed to give people what they wanted. And for me, that is kind of backwards. That is kind of upside down. I think in any church situation, in any Bible study situation, you've got to start with God. God is there. God is in church. God is absolutely sovereign over every breath we take. He knows the hairs on our head. He is very involved in the world. You need to ask yourself, well, God who made me and is very involved, what does He want? Does He want anything? Do we have a, a universalist sort of system where I can... I can live in any sinful fashion. We'll say, that's okay. Come on into heaven. care whatever God would say. A lot of people think that. A lot of people think, I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need to go to church because God's going to save everybody. But you can't find that Certainly not in the Bible, which is our authority, but you cannot find it in history. We do have, as I said, a complete history of the United States that you can you, want. you can get your people in the history of the United States. There's enough data out there. But there's also a ton of data on religious systems. I've written about religious systems, and people have written about how things arose and how you know what was heresy considered and things like the apostles creed which we read very early attempt to counter antichrist views in christianity okay very early heresy fighter is the apostle creed that's what all the creeds were And so you can look at this if you want to. If you want to take the time to know that your belief, how many other people believe it, how many people understand it, then you can get an understanding that you're the only person in the world. I met people when I worked in tech that would explain, this one particular lady explained a very detailed view of God that I said Where did you get that from? And she said, oh, I made it up. And I said, so you believe that you're the only person who believes in a God like this. And at the end of time, God's going to welcome you and you alone into heaven because you're the only one who guessed it right. And that seemed to confuse her as to don't think about things that deep. But we need to think about things that deep. We need to understand what we can about the kingdom of God. And parables like this are called kingdom parables. These are not parables that tell us what to do. Okay? I don't read this parable and say, ah, I've got to call that person from high school. You know, it's inspiring me to do that. The kingdom parables are. Understanding parables are wisdom parables that tell us how God is working. And so, looking about this, we see that there's also stages of growth. It talks about the stages of growth of a wheat. It says, first the blade, then the ear, and if you've ever seen the videos, it comes up slowly and it grows and it turns into something different. And so there are stages of growth in a Christian's life. This is just something that I need to know, that if somebody comes through the doors and says they just accepted Jesus Christ this morning, you know, they, they were opening their Bible on their bed and the Holy Spirit Spoke to them and boom, they accepted Christ. I wouldn't expect them to have the same wisdom and knowledge about Christ as someone who's been saved for 25 years. Okay? We do grow. We grow in wisdom, we grow in knowledge. The two things we grow in, and that every Christian should be growing in, is knowledge and wisdom. We get that from the Word of God. We get that from teaching. We get that from preaching. We get that from working with other Christians. What we know, and the second thing is obedience. The more we know, the behavior should change, okay? A new Christian doesn't have that knowledge, may not have proper behavior, have a misunderstanding about what sin is. But as they grow... As they grow and mature, they will become more and more Christ-like. There are stages, but I cannot predict the stages. I cannot say, well, you are at the the seedling stage, or you're at the half-ear stage, or something like that. This is just illustrating that there are stages that we do grow, that we do have more grace for young Christians than we do for older Christians, more mature Christians, okay? That is something that is going on in the kingdom, and as all the members of the kingdom of God are maturing, then the whole kingdom is maturing, then the whole kingdom is growing in number and growing in maturity, Second thing is, it's, all that growth thing is invisible to us. I may see somebody who confesses Christ, and they seem to be really stalled in, in certain things of their life, certain behaviors or beliefs. And then overnight, they come to church one day, and, and they understand this whole thing. They understand this whole area of their life. And it's not like I can go, I know exactly how that happened. It's a miracle. God's doing whatever He's going to do, but it's invisible to me. So this is, what I do up here is scattering seeds. So throwing out the seeds, I can't make you do anything with it. But the plan is, something that I say, something that we bring out of the Bible, that it will hit and the Holy Spirit will be able to use that to mature you in a certain area of life. God is also in charge of the harvest. There is a harvest. Uh, Jesus says, you have the full grain. Now, if I'm a farmer, I'm looking, and as soon as the wheat gets that multiple section kernel and that grassy stuff on top, Then I'm going to the shed and getting the sickle because it's time to get the wheat out of the ground before it turns to seed. If I leave it there long enough, it will go to seed. Now, who is the harvester? God is the harvester. And one way to look at it is when God is harvesting you, that's when he takes you home. And we have some people who are young Christians who have only been Christians for a couple weeks, and then they, they die in a tragic accident. There are others who have been saved for 50, 60, 70 years, and God is leaving them here. God is in charge of the harvest. God is in charge of how long we minister. God's goal, ultimately, if you do it down to a single goal that God has, is our salvation. That gets us in the door. But God also uses us to scatter seeds to others. God uses us to disciple others. And when God's timing matures, then He brings us home. He takes us home, not because He needed somebody in heaven, but because His work in your life is done. It doesn't mean you failed or really succeeded. It's just God has timing. That's another thing we don't understand. God's timing is perfect, and we don't know it. And so, one commentator came up with some things that we can understand from this. The sowing and reaping occurs simultaneously all over the world. People are getting saved, and people are being called home, on the same day, the same hour, all around the world. There is no season in Christian growth. We are at all different stages, all growing all the time. So for me to try to understand it or graph it or something, that's a headache. Okay, You can't do it. The spiritual field is all over the place all the time. Which means, number two, there's no schedule. I can't say, well... I'm only going to share the gospel on the third Thursday of every month, okay? Because that's when the ground is fresh or whatever, ready. for. And that's not how it works. I need to be, as the Bible says, ready in season, out of season. I need to be ready when anybody asks me about the hope that is within me. Third, the growth of the seed, the growth of you is a secret. I can't see it. Perhaps you can't see it. I've talked to some people who have been saved for a while and they said, Wow, over the last week I grew a lot and I have no idea why or how or what happened. But secrecy can also be a failure since I can't see your growth. You can lie and cheat about your growth if you want to play church games, which I never really understand. Why anybody would play games with their salvation, I don't get. Fourth one, the planter. Me, you, is helpless once the seed has been given, but we're not hopeless. We are hopeful that the seed we have given, the word that we have made, the prayer that we have given, will have something to it. And then lastly, eventually, God's going to harvest everyone. There is a time when Jesus Christ is going to come back, and when Jesus Christ comes back, everybody out of the pool. He will harvest everyone, okay? Everybody who's a non-believer will be killed. Okay? All non-believers die at the second coming. All Christians that are alive at the second coming get raptured. So there will be some Christians that may be alive today who will never see death. That's something. That's something to hold on to. Jesus Christ is coming back and that will be the ultimate harvest. And so... What's my job? What's your job? Is to scatter seeds, is to know the gospel, is to have a testimony. And when that opportunity pops up that you weren't expecting, you have the opportunity to share a very simple, less than two-minute version of the gospel or your testimony, which contains the gospel. And it is from that that God will save people, and He is growing you, and He is growing the kingdom. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, I just praise your name that if we look at countries of this earth, it's clear that we can see how it was done. But when we look at the kingdom of God, it is clear that you are in charge and we can't see. I pray that you would give us faith and understanding that when we need to scatter seed, we scatter seed and then we sit back in faith, in hope that it will take. Lord, we praise you for this, and we ask your blessing upon the meal that follows. We ask all this through the blood of Christ. Amen.